Written and read by Oliver Gray. Chapter 12. Robert Layton was not impressed that he'd had to spend another entire day in the witness room without being called, even though the usher patiently explained that there was no way anyone could tell how long cross-examination would last. Robert didn't like missing school and dreaded what might appear in Friday's weekly news. He had to wait just a bit longer, as Wednesday's first witness was DCI Robin Bird. The police weren't prominent witnesses in this trial simply because they hadn't been present at the time of the offence, only being called in nearly a day after it had happened. Bird's role was to confirm the details of the DNA and fingerprint evidence and to go through the various witness statements that had been gathered at North Walls. Damien Hilton had his knuckles severely wrapped when he tried to bring up the fact that Ben Walker's fingerprint had also been found on the Graham's badge. You know as well as I do, admonished Mr Justice Pocklington, that it is Mr Mort on trial here and no one else. Please do not bring up irrelevant matters. He turned to the jury. I would like you to strike what you have just heard from your minds. Nevertheless, one or two jury members exchanged surprised glances. It was eleven o'clock by the time Robert was sworn in. The jury didn't know it, but as far as the police were concerned, Robert was the pivotal witness. DCI Bird had warned him that defence counsel would do everything he could to discredit him. First to examine Robert for the prosecution was Nigel de Brett. He took Robert rapidly through the events in the room, but wanted more detail about what he had seen on leaving. What was your intention on leaving? To go home. I set off up St Paul's Hill towards Oram's Arbour, but then it struck me that there was potential for a violent scene. As long as I wasn't involved, I thought I should observe it from a distance, so I tiptoed back to the gateway at Pickford's on the other side of the road. Why would you want to do that? Because from there I had a good view. If anything unpleasant happened, I would have immediately called the police on my mobile phone. I felt it was my duty. And did anything happen? Not really. The students and some of Mr Mort's friends were in the beer garden, and Mr Zander had disappeared. So did you see Mr Mort at all? Well, yes, I did, just for a moment. He came running out of the side door and into the car park. Now this is very important, Mr Layton. Are you saying that Mr Mort didn't immediately run into the beer garden, but first went into the car park? Yes, that's right. Do you know whether Mr Mort encountered Mr Zander in the car park? That I don't know, but I did see two people arguing there. Really? Two people arguing? And who might those two people have been? I'm afraid I can't say with certainty who they were. I could see two figures in the shadows. There was a light by the door, but the bulb wasn't very strong. Can you describe the two figures? One was very large, and the other was tall but slimmer. And they were arguing, you say? Yes, their voices were raised. Did you recognise either of the voices? Uh, no, sir, not with certainty. I was too far away. You didn't hear any of the words they were saying? No, sir. What happened then? The figures disappeared into the car park and it went quiet. Did you see either of them again? Yes, I did. After a minute or so, just as I was going to leave, Mr Mort came running out of the car park, collected his two friends from the beer garden, and they all ran off towards the railway station. How did you feel about that? I felt relieved, because it meant that the incident was over, and that Ben Walker wouldn't be in any more danger. 
I wouldn't have to call the police. That was a relief for me. Remember that Mr. Walker was a member of my staff, and any involvement with the police would have been very bad for the image of my school. Now it was Mr. Hilton's turn for the defence. Now, Mr. Layton, he began, pretending to look baffled. I take it that you are not in the habit of frequenting uh, music venues such as the station? No, sir. And do you share Mr. Walker's predilection for, he consulted his notes, um, Americana music? No, sir, I don't. So what on earth were you doing there? His wig twitched with self-satisfaction. Well, Mr. Walker is my daughter's fiancée and he asked me to come along. I wanted to show support, especially because he told me that he hadn't sold many tickets. And I understand that your daughter had already gone home before any of the evening's significant events occurred. That's right, she had a headache. Having listened to Mr. Zander's music, I'm not surprised, responded Hilton with a smug grin. Stick to the point, please, Mr. Hilton, intervened Mr. Justice Pocklington wearily. I apologise, my lord, but it's still a mystery why you didn't accompany your daughter when she left as she was feeling unwell. I would have liked to, but I'd been temporarily put in charge of the merch table while Mr. Zander was on stage. Merch? Merchandise, sir. CDs and badges. We didn't want anything to be stolen. No doubt. Please will you describe the events as they unfolded when the defendant entered the room for the second time. Robert's description tallied exactly with what he had said before, and, indeed, with everybody else's evidence. Now we come to the moment when you decided to leave the room. Why exactly did you decide to leave? It was a combination of things. Firstly, I was tired, and there was nothing else I could usefully do. But more importantly, it had already turned ugly, and I feared it might get worse. It was vital that I wasn't associated with anything that could bring my name into disrepute. Because of your reputation as a head teacher, exactly. So you decided, as it were, to uh, run for it. If you want to put it like that, yes, not wanting to get involved in a brawl is nothing to be ashamed of. Indeed. So, if we are to believe you, you then lurked around so that you could observe events from a distance. I wouldn't call it lurking, but yes, that's what I decided to do. And it was at this point that you saw he consulted his notes, or thought you saw, two shadowy figures arguing in the car park. Do you have the slightest idea who these two figures were? I assumed they were Mort and Xander. That's a very big assumption, if I may say so. On what grounds did you come to that conclusion? Just seemed obvious. Mort had just come out of the door, and I knew that Xander was angry with him. I don't think it was an unreasonable assumption to make. Why should two completely random people be arguing when it was obvious that Morton Zander had had an altercation just a few minutes before? Your point is noted, said Hilton, but it is up to the jury to decide whether your evidence is pertinent to the case. With that, he swished his gown and sat down. The court then adjourned for the day. Ben, still at Sutton Scotney Travel Lodge and ODing on daytime TV, would have loved an update on proceedings, but it had been made clear that there was to be no communication between witnesses once their evidence had been given. So he was left to stew. On Thursday morning, it was time for the defence case to begin. As is the legal custom, the accused, Barry Mort, was the first person to be questioned for the defence. But first, Mort's counsel, Damien Hilton, made his introductory remarks. 
Members of the jury, the picture I will paint for you is quite a different one from that given by the prosecution. Whilst it is true that violence flared on the evening in question, we will show that, far from being perpetrated by the defendant, it was inflicted upon him. He does not deny that he may have said things which offended the victim, but it is not a crime to offend someone. It is our submission that Barry Mort merely entered the room, shouted a few offensive words, and then was attacked in a most brutal manner by Mr. Zander, who came close to committing murder himself. The defendant was naturally frightened and fled the scene to avoid further trouble. Prosecuting counsel is quite wrong to predict that we will be asking you to consider self-defence or a lesser charge of manslaughter. The defence case is that Mr. Mort is completely innocent and that the case against him should be dismissed. Throughout the proceedings, Mort remained quietly defiant and completely confident in everything he said. First, he was questioned by his own counsel. Mr. Mort, we have repeatedly heard that you were drunk when you entered the station. I'm not denying that, sir. I told the police from the start that I regret it. I'm aware that I have anger management issues when I take alcohol. That's why I have almost given up drinking, as my mentor will tell you. So why were you drunk on this occasion? It was a one-off because I won some money on the horses. I wish it hadn't happened. How do you feel about this case? I feel I'm the innocent victim, sir. I know I caused trouble, and I apologise for that. But that American tried to kill me, and now it's me in the dock. But it is alleged you threatened to kill him. It was just the drink talking, sir. Of course I didn't mean it. I couldn't kill anyone. So how do you explain what has been described as an argument in the car park? I don't know. I didn't hear no argument, and I didn't have no argument. I just wanted to get away. Did you pick up a brick? No, sir. Your fingerprints were not found on the brick. Exactly, so I couldn't have picked it up. Were you wearing gloves that evening? I've never worn gloves in my life. I'm not a woman. You can ask anyone if I was wearing gloves, and they'll tell you I wasn't. Did you have a pair of gloves in your pocket? I could have, but I didn't. Thank you, Mr. Mort. This was the stage of the trial which should decide the jury's verdict. Mr. Debrett hoped he hadn't met his match, but it was clear from the start that Mort wasn't scared of the prosecuting counsel and wasn't going to be intimidated. If you've given up drinking, how is it that the police describe finding empty cider cans around your house? Shelley has a couple now and then. I have one or two a week. We have friends round. And I don't clean up very often. He held the lawyer's gaze. Does your partner drink while pregnant? Keep to the point, interjected the judge. Do you have any kind of explanation for your appalling behaviour on that Monday evening? I assume you aren't denying what every single witness has described. No, sir, I behave very badly. Mort had been excellently schooled in refraining from swearing or flying off the handle. For some reason, I took a dislike to that American. Did that justify you shouting and swearing at him? No, sir, I am very sorry about that, but I didn't kill him. All in good time, Mr. Mort. Do you think Mr. Zander was justified in attacking you? No, he wasn't. I was only having a bit of fun, and then he went for me. Did you encounter Mr. Zander in the car park? No, sir, I did not. Did the two of you argue? No, sir. Did you hit him with a brick? No, sir. If you didn't hit him, did you push him over? No, sir. Did you put on some gloves you had in your pocket so that there would be no fingerprints? Mort remained steadfast. No, sir, I did not do any of those things. I didn't see him or speak to him in the car park. I definitely didn't put on any gloves because I don't own any. The police searched my house and didn't find anything. 
All I did was I ran out, collected my friends, and we left. Mr. Debrett continued. Moving on, why did you say, let's get the fuck out of here? How often do I have to tell you I was scared? I put it to you that you said those words because you had just killed Mr. Zander and it was essential to get away. No, sir, that is not true. So how do you explain the witness who saw you arguing in the car park? He saw someone arguing. He didn't see me. He couldn't have because I didn't have no argument. The others for the defence were Mort's friends, Dean and Jason. First up with Dean Harris, who gave a performance which showed all the signs of having been rehearsed, confirming that he hadn't even entered the music room after the support band had finished playing. He was in and out of the witness box in minutes. He told the defence counsel he spent the evening in the beer garden chatting with the students. Towards the end of the evening, Mort had gone back into the venue and shortly afterwards had come running out again. Debrett wanted to pursue this. What did Mort say? He said, let's get the fuck out of here, so we all followed him. Why do you think he said that? Because he was scared of that big American bloke. I put it to you, Mr. Harris, that there could be another reason. Could it not be that Mort had done something to the American and wanted to get away fast before it was discovered? No, sir, I don't think so. And did you hear the sound of an argument coming from the car park? Harris looked amazed. No, sir, I didn't hear a thing. As far as Debrett was concerned, Jason Bright, next into the witness box, was the one to go for. He'd been briefed by the police that Bright was a misnomer, and that if anyone was going to fail to toe the party line, it would be him. Unsurprisingly, he successfully negotiated the soft questions asked by Hilton. But now it was the prosecutor's turn. So you're a smoker, Mr. Bright? Yes, why? I was just wondering why you spent all that time outside in the cold, when you could have carried on playing on the quiz machine indoors. I was talking to me mates, there's no law against that. He was getting irritated already. Now, do you recall that at the end of the evening Mr. Mort came running up to you shouting, Let's get the fuck out of here? Yes, I do. Was that before or after Mr. Mort had had the argument in the car park? It was after, of course. Ah, so you heard the argument. People started shuffling all around the courtroom. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no, yeah, well, what I mean is, be very careful, Mr. Bright. Remember that you are under oath. Did you, or did you not, hear Mr. Mort having an argument before you all ran away? Jason Bright was now sweating and shaking, trying to avoid the eye of Mort who was staring at him in fury. Well, I, I sort of did. I'm not sure, really. Maybe I did. I can't remember clearly. Was Mr. Mort running from the pub door or from the car park? Uh, I, I don't know. I couldn't see. It all happened so quickly. Surely you remember something as simple as that. Uh, no, no, I'd had a few drinks. No, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Debrett turned and cast a brief, significant glance at the jury. Thank you, Mr. Bright. The final few minutes were taken up by a character witness for Mort, called by his defence lawyer. It was the anger management mentor who'd been looking after him. He described the good progress that Mort had been making. He's aware that he's had issues in the past, but he is determined to address them, especially in view of the fact that, within weeks, he will become a father for the first time. So you are describing a man who has overcome his problems and will shortly have a young baby to look after. Yes, sir. 
Now, at last, it was time for the closing speeches by the two counsel, followed by the judges summing up and legal directions to the jury. Mr. de Brett, for the prosecution, took the jury through the events for a weary last time. It boils down to whether you believe that Mr. Mort had sufficient reason and was in the kind of mood that would allow him to commit murder. The evidence is quite clearly there before you, the DNA and fingerprints which could have come from the altercation in the pub, but could equally well have come from the car park. Mr. Mort denies ever being in the car park, but we have two witnesses, Mr. Layton and, crucially, Mort's own friend Mr. Bright, who describe seeing two figures arguing in the car park at the crucial moment in this case. And most important of all, everybody, including the defendant, agrees that Mort said he was going to kill Mr. Zander. If you believe that is what he did, you must come to a verdict of guilty. Hilton's summing up was a tour de force of self-righteousness. Members of the jury, the case effectively hinges on whether Mr. Layton and Mr. Bright saw Mort and Zander arguing in the car park. Mr. Bright is not absolutely sure what he saw, and as for the words used by Mr. Layton, well, they speak for themselves. Assumed. Obvious. Thought. None of these words add up to any concrete evidence at all. It could easily have been two completely different people arguing in that car park. No, members of the jury, you have before you a man of clear conscience. He has been candid about his failings, but is shortly to be a father and has changed his ways. I am not going to ask you to consider a lesser verdict of manslaughter. For that, it would be necessary for Mr. Mort to admit that he killed Mr. Zander. He admits to no such thing. Mr. Mort is completely innocent, and for that reason, if you agree with me, you must pronounce him not guilty. There was now an adjournment to allow the judge to prepare his final summing up. When the jury filed back in, he addressed his remarks directly to them. We have here a very sad case. A visitor to our shores has lost his life in tragic circumstances. Your job now, having heard the evidence, is to decide whether or not to convict Barry Mort of his murder. Remember, please, that you can only convict if you are absolutely certain that he killed Mr. Zander and that he intended to do so. What makes your task harder is the fact that there were no eyewitnesses to the killing. Let us first examine the forensic evidence. It has not been challenged by the defence that the object which killed Mr. Zander was a brick and that it was lying in the car park normally used to prop the door open. This brick has hundreds of fingerprints on it, but, and you may consider this important, neither the fingerprints nor the DNA of Mr. Mort. The prosecution's case is that there is a simple explanation for this, namely that Mr. Mort was wearing gloves. They say this could also explain why there is no forensic evidence linking Mr. Mort to the handle of the rubbish container. However, Mr. Mort quite clearly and explicitly denies wearing gloves on that day. Where there is evidence of Mr. Mort's presence, however, is on Mr. Zander's coat and in particular on a badge he was wearing. There are fibres from Mr. Mort's jacket in evidence, as well as an unmistakable fingerprint on the badge. Your job, members of the jury, is to decide whether the prosecution have proved the case against him, so you are sure about it. During the trial, three opportunities have been put forward for this evidence to have got there. Firstly, when the two men brushed past each other in the doorway. Secondly, as they scuffled in the music room. And thirdly, that they argued and fought again in the car park. That is the next thing you have to decide. We have one witness, Mr. Layton, 
who saw two figures arguing, but cannot say with a hundred percent certainty that those figures were Mr. Zander and Mr. Mort. We have another witness, Mr. Bright, who can't quite remember what he saw. He may or may not have seen the argument. You will have to decide whether the evidence from these two witnesses is reliable, because we have heard from several other witnesses, in particular Harris, that there was no argument at all. Regarding the facts of the case, you will have to examine the timeline and decide whether Mr. Mort, as he insists, came straight out of the room, collected his friends and ran away, or whether he first had an encounter with Xander in the car park. Now we come to the matter of a motive. The prosecution do not have to demonstrate a motive, and you should not speculate, but you are entitled to consider proper inferences that arise out of evidence you accept. Was the fact that he had been assaulted by Mr. Zander sufficient motivation for Mr. Mort to want to gain revenge? If so, how premeditated was his action? Did he decide to kill Mr. Zander before picking up the brick, or was it in the rage of the moment? Or was it, indeed, an accident? I ask this because, contrary to what Defence Counsel has asserted, I direct that, in law, you will indeed have to consider the possibility of manslaughter. I shall return to this in a moment. You will have to consider how Mr. Zander was killed. The first possibility is that Mr. Mort came up behind him and hit him on the head with a brick. If you believe that, you will have to accept that the fingerprint on the badge, being on the front of Mr. Zander's jacket, came from the earlier scuffle. Alternatively, Mort could have pushed Zander over backwards during the argument in the car park. That would certainly explain the fingerprint, but would Mort have had the physical strength to do that? Was he not so drunk that it would have been impossible? Either way, if you believe that this is what happened, then you have no alternative but to convict Mr. Mort of the lesser crime of manslaughter. But you must be sure that his death was not simply an accident, or may have been an accident. If it was an accident, the defendant must be found not guilty of any crime. Absolutely crucial in this case, you may think, members of the jury, are the words that Barry Mort used as he left the music room. He said, and nobody disputes this, I'm going to, expletive, kill him. You might conclude that this was clear evidence of his intention, which he proceeded to carry out. Or was it, as he asserts, simply bravado, an empty threat with no meaning, the sort of thing we all say in the heat of the moment? When you retire, members of the jury, you will have to discuss the final possibility, which is that there was no murder or manslaughter at all. We have heard that it is not impossible that Mr. Zander slipped on something on the floor and fell backwards onto the brick. That would tally with Mr. Mort's assertion that there was indeed no argument in the car park. The fact remains that Mr. Zander tragically died that night. Before you retire, I have to remind you once again that you can only find Mr. Mort guilty of murder if you have absolutely no doubt that he killed Mr. Zander and that he intended to do so, or to do him some grievous bodily harm. If you believe that he killed him by his deliberate actions but without that intent, you must bring in a verdict of manslaughter. And if you are not sure in your own minds that the prosecution have proved either of these situations, then Mr. Mort must be pronounced not guilty. Consider the murder charge first. If you are all agreed he is guilty of that, you should not consider manslaughter at all. It is only if you are agreed that he is not guilty of murder that you can go on to consider the alternative charge of manslaughter.
Xander and Oliver's other books are also available in print and Kindle editions. For more information, head to olivergray.com. This audiobook was a DC 10 Tonight production.